Unleavened Bread Ministries presents From your hands, your feet, your side Unleavened Bread Bible Studies with David Eels Can quench my thirsting soul Purest water make me whole Let your streams of mercy flow Oh Jesus, I trust in you Greetings, saints. Many blessings to you. Thank you for joining us today for the Unleavened Bread Bible Study. Father, we uh, praise you and we thank you that you have made overcomers of us through Jesus Christ. We put our trust in him totally and we trust in his grace and his mercy to get us where we need to be in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to talk about the overcoming path. And um, we're going to give this first revelation here. We called it Choose the Unleavened Path. Samuel 5, 4, 9, 23. I saw a cliff face, and there were many ropes to help one climb up it. Each rope had its own way to the top, but only one rope would last and not break. And he puts in parenthesis, the one that won't break is the unleavened bread of Christ. This is true. All of the tools that we need to get there are there. Each of the ropes was a teaching on the paths up to God. Uh, representing, he says, uh, apostate church doctrines. But these could not be completely relied on all the way to God. All the ropes except one had breaks in them and defects somewhere up the course, and uh, either someone would fall or they would see the error and climb back down and get on another path. There was only one path that fully made it to the top safely. I believe that's representing the true gospel that Jesus is the only way to heaven, and he laid down the path and the steps. John 14 and 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one cometh unto the Father but by me. The way is a path. It's not a line that we step over. The path and the steps are already laid down. It's in Jesus. It is Jesus' steps, by the way. First John 2, 5 and 6 says, But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily hath the love of God been perfected. Hereby we know that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. So we put our feet in his footprints. Amen. Okay, and this one is uh, given to Claire Pinar for 1823, uh, Carrying Away Distraction and Idolatry. Claire said, I dreamed I was going somewhere 
I kept forgetting where my red bag was. I knew I needed my wallet and my cell phone that were both in the red bag. I found my red bag near Sarah Marie's room. So I picked it up and carried it with me. And she said, Sarah Marie means Princess of Darkness. So this bag is, uh, in some way, uh, progressing darkness. It seemed to be a hindrance in some way. It wasn't heavy or big, and it only had my cell phone and my wallet inside. Well, Jesus told his disciples not to bring a wallet so they would trust in God and not be self-reliant. He hates that in us. And also, a cell phone is often an idol and distracts us from the things of God. I could have gone on without it. Rion said here, his her husband said this, the bag is red representing the sacrifice of Christ. His blood was shed to deliver us from these fleshly things. True, we need overcoming power to overcome these things. Um, I seem to hold up a process uh, due to holding to fetch this bag, going to fetch this bag. And my friend named uh, Sarah Marie really liked the bag. And she said something like, you can't go without this lovely red handbag. Of course, she was thinking about the things that were inside of it, right? Uh, we can't listen to the princess of darkness or rebellion because it will hold up our process of sanctification. She said, my husband, Rion, kept on calling me while holding a transparent door open for me. Well, we'll come into this uh, transparent door, too, a little later, but I will mention it now. Rion represents our heavenly husband, Jesus, who is the door to the sheepfold. The door is uh, transparent because Jesus is pure, right? And, um, and the way is open. We know what the way is. We can see through it, you know. It, uh, it looked like we were entering into a ship or a large conference hall or an airplane. I think these mentions all mean something. The ark, as well as an airplane, are lifted off of the earth. All I saw was the thick glass door and the side of a structure that made me think of all three of these structures at once. Hmm. So we have talked about that already. Some of them lift you off of the earth, right? And Rion said, People are running after money and distractions of the world and missing uh, the calling of the man-child Jesus. So we must make it through the door and into the ark, right? So, I asked the Lord for a verse by faith at random for this dream and received Ezekiel 6.13. Um, and you shall know 
that I am the Lord when their slain men shall be among their idols round about their altars. Mm-hmm. Upon every high hill, in all the tops of the mountains, and under every green tree, and under every thick oak, the places where they offered sweet savor to all their idols. Amen. And Rion says that this verse Claire receives speaks of idols. The modern altars represent wallets or self-provision, and cell phones represent worldly reliance or addictions and distractions. Amen. So many people you see walking around um, looking at their cell phone all the time, constantly. I asked the Lord if this is uh, for me, and I received, they return, and their heart. She received those two. In this text uh, below, by faith at random. So let me say that all who repent from the heart and come out from among them will be restored, right? They return. Second Chronicles 6 and 38, uh, in context 36 through 42. If they sin against thee, for there is no man that sinneth not, and thou be angry with them, and delivereth them to the enemy, so that they carry them away captive into all the land far off or near. Yet if they shall bethink themselves in the land whither they are carried captive, and turn again, and make supplication unto thee in the land of their captivity, saying, We have sinned, we have done perversely, and have dealt wickedly. Well, much of the church has been carried away captive uh, into a land that's not what we see described as the kingdom of God in the New Testament. And one reading of that, any teenager can tell you what it says, but they can't. They're blinded by these religious spirits that want to keep them captive. And it goes on to say, If they return unto thee with all their heart and with all their soul in the land of their captivity, whither they have carried them captive, and pray towards their land, which thou gavest unto their fathers. In other words, what was given us by our early church fathers, we return to, right? And the city which thou hast chosen and uh, toward the house which I have built for thy name, then hear thou from heaven, even from thy dwelling place, their prayer and their supplication, and maintain their cause, and forgive thy people who have sinned against thee. Yes, forgive them. If they realize they're in the wrong place at the wrong time, they still need God's help to get out and get to the right place, right? So now, O my God, let I beseech thee, thine eyes be open, and let thine ears be attent unto the prayer that is made in this place. Now therefore arise, O Lord God, into thy resting place, thou and the ark of thy strength. Let thy priests, O Lord God, be clothed with salvation, and let thy saints rejoice in goodness, O Lord God. Turn not away the face of thine anointed. 
Remember thy loving kindness to David thy servant. And Rian says, The bag is used to carry away something. Like in this second verse, uh, The blood of Jesus carries away captive these worldly idols. Amen. True. And here's another one, Samuel 5, 4, 1, 23, Overcoming Rejection to Achieve Unity. This is a big thing nowadays, especially in the United States. I saw all these children, and I uh, on an American school bus, the yellow with black stripe type, and with the stop signs, uh, their flaps. Everybody in the bus were from UBM. They were all young, like children under 10 years of age. Okay, so everybody was on the school bus, uh, the UBM school bus, learning, right? And he's going to deal with the situation that we just expressed in the title, uh, rejection. We then arrived at the school and got together in a classroom, and we each sat at our own desk. We participated in a mixture of subjects. The learning was interactive, and we were all given tests and participated in the learning. Well, as we uh, will see, people with rejection are not comfortable with what they feel is competition. And um, he goes on to say, Some of the children didn't feel to go to school. But once they arrived at school and sat in the classroom, they were happy and appreciated the lesson. Well, I'll tell you, people with rejection don't like crowds, usually. And they don't like any competition. And they don't like correction correction because when you're in a schoolroom, of course, you're getting corrected. That's what teaching is and instructions are. And so they don't like correction. So, uh, but, he goes on to say, I saw myself and others having struggles and difficulty in understanding the subjects and felt left out as we weren't making as much progress as the others. Well, that's normal. That's with this spirit. Um, this is when rejection spirits lie to their victims that correction equals rejection. It does not. And uh, this brings frustration and offense quite often. And uh, so I'll continue here. He said, I saw how other children were favored and always top in the class. And that made it harder for me and others to team up and interact with them. Yeah, but the problem is not them. The problem is on the inside. I also saw how that many in the class were having to repeat many subjects, but not able to comprehend the materials. Well, many times this is inherited through the blood and can be treated with love and deliverance. And uh, the desire of the person to overcome this. In many cases, they know that one or more of their parents had the same thing in many cases. 
and they know how much this has separated them from people around them, even workplace or church or whatever, you know. But the whole time I felt and saw and heard the calm, peaceful, and kind teaching of Jesus and his constant dedication and willingness to not give up on any of us. I was feeling the love, and each time we went home on the bus, we got we grew closer and wanted to see each other again. Well, recognizing the spirits behind this is the first step to deliverance. It's not you, and those thoughts are not your thoughts. You who have this this uh, painful addiction to listening to a spirit of rejection or fear of rejection, right? Learning to cast down illegal thoughts about others, unforgiveness, and vain imaginations will help too. If this is not repented of, it can end up in faction, anger, and great delusion and very nasty sin. Amen. Okay, this next one is given to Tiana Fire, 225-23. We called it Remnant Overcomers. I dreamt that David Eels and the UBM brethren were all living together on top of a large hill that was like a national park. Well, I believe that probably represents Zion, you know. And um, the community spirit of uh, meeting one another's needs and so on, which is pretty heavy here. The hill had an open grass area where the brethren had simple huts as their houses. Well, this represents basic living and uh, needs met like the original church in the book of Acts. The uh, huts were all in this open area and close together. Yep, we're all a pretty close bunch. There was a large campfire with uh, rocks around and uh, log seats where the brethren would gather around together, especially at night, for prayer. Here they would praise and worship and fellowship with the brethren, and here David would teach. It's interesting that she should say that. I know she doesn't know that, <laughs> being on the other side of the world and all. But uh, in the natural, we, we actually have a place like this, and um, we do gather together there every once in a while. And uh, it is all the furniture is made out of logs and stuff, and it's kind of homey, <laughs> but it's in the open. Um, but Tiana doesn't know that, okay? David felt like a fatherly figure in the dream, acting and treating the brethren as a father would. In the dream, my relationship with David felt as a father-daughter relationship, and he had that with the other brethren, too. In the dream, uh, the brethren seemed like children with childlike faith. They were eager to learn and humble to let go of their own way and to learn the Father's way. 
It also felt like David was like an elder of a tribe, and I believe he is representing the father in the dream. On two sides of the hill was a cliff that was overlooking water. On the other two sides were more forests, nature, and land that went much further. There was a giant dam and a river that was on one of the sides, and you could only walk across the top of the dam by foot. It was very dangerous because you could slip so easily and fall far down. Yes, we recognize this test at the very beginning of people's um, fellowship with us. And a lot of the people who have problems and fall far down, if not all, have this rejection on them. <clears throat> but uh, let me say that three of the four fell away in the parable of the sower in Matthew thirteen eighteen through 23. And one of the four went on to bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. So it's always a test um, to see who's going to be in, in the bride. Now, we're not talking about only being a physical place, the bride. The bride is all over the world. Okay, so, but we're seeing the symbolism here, right? So in the dream, I was going to the other side of the land to where I thought I was to wait until the hut for me was completed. And then I would return to the UBM camp. Well, the hut could represent our temporary tabernacle in the wilderness, which represents a personal relationship with the Lord, as in the Feast of Tabernacles. And, of course, we learn to teach people to go into the wilderness and uh, there learn of the power and the provision of God in our weakness, because the wilderness is a place of the weakness of the flesh to provide and so on and so forth. And so we, uh, we teach that to people, and they learn that they can walk by faith in God and really grow in Him, right? So I went to go walk across the top of the dam, and it was super slippery. And it was a long walk to get across to the other side of the land. I looked over to the other side, and, uh, and in the water there were around 50 giant white seals that were really large. Well, these creatures are white and large, representing maturity and purity. They are at home in the water, representing those who are mature in the water of the Word. And they mentor others through the slippery places along their walk. They all turned and stared at me. Some of them ran over to me and stayed on either side of me, maybe ten on my left and ten on my right, 
and a few in front and behind me. They all watched me the whole time as they guided me and walked me across the dam so that I wouldn't slip or fall. Well, of course, uh, there are many people who are further down the road who disciple the younger along the path in hopes that they will bear fruit at 30, 60, and 100. I felt they were all protecting me and wanted to keep me safe. They stayed on the dam and water area as I continued walking through the nature park. There were no maps or roads, so I had to just walk straight ahead by faith. Amen. I came to a building that was sort of like a security building. There were some people waiting at this building that weren't allowed to go across the dam yet or go to the UBM camp until they had passed all these checks and tests. This is true. In the spirit realm, it's true. Some people like a lot of what we say and things, but they are being tested by those very things, you know. The people working in this building were like security guards, and anyone that wanted to go live with or be with the UBM brethren had to go through a background checks <laughs> and answer many questions. Of course, we do search, you know, our heritage uh, in this natural world, and we discovered that many of our problems are right there, and um, and we have to overcome them. We overcome this Adamic nature uh, in order to walk in the nature of Jesus Christ, which is his name, nature, character, and authority. They had to spend a period of time in this holding facility, maybe weeks, months, or years, until they passed everything required. Well, if you remember, 30, 60, and 100 is a progression of fruit in maturity. It comes by overcoming tests. So if they passed, they were allowed to try to cross over the dam, and if they survived, they could go be with the brethren. Well, we've seen many people going through tests uh, to see if they belong here, and some uh, failing the test of love which is necessary for unity and holiness, uh, and they are removed. It's that simple. Uh, we, we've known about this test or tests since the beginning. When we asked the Lord, why is this happening? The Lord told us very clearly that he's doing something um, um, very peculiar. But it's not so peculiar. It's um, In many places it's happening. But to the church world, is peculiar. I felt that no one was physically able to get past this building or the dam unless they successfully passed the security. It was as if there was an invisible wall or line that prevented anyone uh, from crossing. Well, you know, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. You don't want to bring people in that are leaven. That will cause other people to stumble down the road. We want a foundation here. The Lord wants a foundation here to receive people that will be helpful, totally helpful to them. 
and not run into somebody that's got cultic ideas or uh, false doctrines or perversion or whatever. Uh, when people like that come, they get found out very quickly because this is a very prophetic bunch here, and um, and their own sins, you know, become revealed. So if they didn't pass, they either stayed in this facility until they passed or they just gave up and left. There were a couple of people that had been in this facility for many, many years waiting to be approved. But most people just left to uh, go back to the normal life after a short period of time. It seemed that only a tiny amount of people was approved, uh, let alone approved in a quick or short period of time. Only the remnant of overcomers will be approved. Of course, this is not our approval. It's God's approval, and he handles everything like this, you know. Um, and approved to what? Well, I believe it's approved to be uh, in the corporate bride body, which, by the way, is going to escape these judgments that are coming upon the world. Everybody, some people need the judgments of the world to cause them to mature, so they go back to those judgments. Okay, others uh, don't need them and want to grow in the, in the ways and uh, the nature of Jesus Christ. Uh, I remember seeing a big line up of women waiting to get checked into the facility to go through the security process, but most of the women got denied, so they weren't even qualified to go through the checking process. Yes, we see them come and go, and um, it's all God's plan. He's the one that chooses. He's the one that opens minds. He's the one that causes respect for the Word in a person's heart more than their idol of religion or whatever. So this represents the house of the women in Esther who were being prepared to be tested by the king of kings. God uh, loved Esther above all the women and made her the bride. Mm-hmm. I spoke to a few of them and tried to encourage them to press on towards Jesus, but they weren't interested. I felt like they weren't there for Jesus. Well, this represents apostasy and selfish desires. Uh, they could be Jezebels so that they weren't approved like Vashti was <laughs> and was uh, rejected. Right? The people who worked at the security holding facility knew who I was, and I told them I am here until my hut is ready for me. They told me that the hut was almost built, and I should start walking back, and when I get there, it will be complete. I was surprised because I had only just come from that UBM area, and I thought it would take much longer to build my hut. And I thought I was going to have to stay at the security facility for a while. Well, um, this is what came to me concerning this, Psalm eighty-one, thirteen through 14. 
Oh, that my people would hearken unto me, that Israel would walk in my ways. I would soon, soon subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their adversaries. And also Esther 2 and 9. And the maiden pleased him, and she obtained kindness of him, and he speedily gave her her things for purification. There's that speedily. There's soon, right? And I believe this represents the Holy Spirit dealing with the women to prepare them to be tested by the king. So he speedily gave her her things for purification with her portions and the seven maidens who were meet to be given her out of the king's house. And uh, he removed her and her maidens to the best place of the house. By the way, these maidens represent the attributes of Christ, right? Uh, Her maidens to be best place of the house of the women. Amen. They gave me some supplies, and they walked me over to a stable and showed me all these different horses and uh, told me to choose one. I said, I'm not sure if I'm allowed a pet in the UBM camp area that I was about to move into. They told me that the horse is more than a pet, and they have been working there for much longer than I have been on earth, and that the horse will be valuable to all of the brethren. They encouraged me to pick a horse. I said, I don't know anything about horses, so please pick the best one for me. And they gave me, that's kind of like Esther, right? They gave me a nice horse, and I got on and started riding back to the dam to go back to the UBM camp. Well, I believe horses represent the strength of the flesh, but Tiana was subduing it by riding on its back, guiding it, you know, with the reins, and so on and so forth, uh, to make it to the UBM camp. This represents overcoming the flesh to be in the bride, ruling over the flesh. Amen. So, this one was given to Claire Pinar, 321-23. Separate the sheep from the goats. Hmm. I dreamed I was in a 12-story white building. I lived either on level 9 or level 11. The number 12 represents completeness. We are living stones making up the bride of Christ. This reminds me of the tower of white stones representing the church that was shown to Hermas uh, in the shepherd of Hermas. Amen. That's a wonderful revelation there of holiness. Uh, I was very happy there, but wanted to see my dad more. Claire's dad represents the father in this dream. I had to go down to the ground level, representing the threshing floor, I believe. 
I found him busy sorting out young sheep and goats. A little lamb followed me all the way up to my level, but he had a blood stain on his belly. Mm-hmm, we know who that is, right? And Rion said, uh, to go where the bride goes requires death to self, which, spiritually speaking, uh, requires the shedding of blood through the cutting off of the belly, right? Of course, Jesus was stabbed there, you know, and the blood came out. He shed that for us so that we could make it. Some baby goats tried to come through different doors that were open, but my dad said, keep the doors shut. In other words, don't let the goats in here. <laughs> it's kind of similar to what we have already discovered. Representing that we must keep our spiritual doors shut so that we won't become as the rebellious goats. Amen. I shooed the kids away. He was training someone young to take part in a very elite running race. He said, I've timed him and he's almost ready. Well, we don't have much time to run our race. Uh, we must overcome and endure to the end to hear the Lord say, Come, ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you. And then I woke up. I received by faith at random, Isaiah 38 and 12. My dwelling is removed and is carried away from me as a shepherd's tent. As well as Hosea 13 and 13. The sorrows of a travailing woman shall come upon him. He is an unwise son for it is time that he should not tarry in the place of breaking forth of children. So Rion says it's time to mature. Yes, the place of breaking forth of children is when the fruit is seen by the world around us. It's not just in our heart. As the seed is sown in our heart, it's not just there. The seed bears fruit, and the fruit is seen by the world around us. This is called the manifestation of salvation. Right? Later that morning, I opened one of the books that I'm using with my children that gives meaningful explanations about sanctification and holiness written for children. The portion of Scripture for that day's discussion was Matthew twenty-five thirty-one through 46 which is exactly what my dream was about. I did not know that this portion of Scripture would be discussed, as I only opened this book at lesson time, and I don't generally prepare these lessons beforehand. God knows. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So I'll read that to you, Matthew 25, 31-46. But when the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the angels with him, then shall he sit on the throne of his glory. And before him shall be gathered all the nations, and he shall separate them one from another, 
as a shepherd separateth the sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me to eat, and I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee hungry, or fed thee, or athirst, and gave thee to drink? And when saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? And when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you did it unto one of these my brethren, even these least, you did it unto me. Oh, praise the Lord. This is why... This is how we have to treat the people around us as we would treat Jesus. And treat the enemies accordingly, too. You know, we don't want a little leaven leavening the whole lump, right? Then shall he say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into the eternal fire which is prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you did not give me to eat, and I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. And I was a stranger, and you took me not in, naked, and you clothed me not, sick and in prison, and you visited me not. Hmm. Then shall they also answer, saying, Lord, when saw we thee hungry, or thirst, or stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison? and did not minister unto thee. Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you did it not unto one of these least, you did it not unto me. And these shall go away unto eternal punishment, but the righteous unto eternal life. Again, um, what is our treatment of the brethren around us? Do we obey the rules laid down by Christ. Well, the faction who have gone one step beyond um, rejection and fear of rejection never obey the rules. They do not relate to people around them in the way they should to Christ because they're mistreating um, God's children. So, Gaynold Moser got this on 116.23. We called it, Death to Self Leads to Resurrection Life. Believe it or not, the Scriptures are very plain. We are to come into our resurrection life here on this earth. It is the life of Christ, right? So, Gaynold went on to say, It was a bright, sunny day, and I was walking with someone on a sidewalk. I believe this represents that the sun 
S-U-N slash S-O-N, shines upon us when we walk the narrow road, the sidewalk. It seemed to be on a campus, a college campus uh, somewhere. Well, a college campus represents a place of higher learning. Uh, There were quite a few other people gathered in small groups here and there along the way. It was a beautiful day, and everyone was happy and joyful. At the end of the sidewalk, there were a couple of glass doors going into what I thought to be a building. There's those glass doors again. But once inside, I felt that I was in a cave, and as I was so, as it was so dark, uh, she said, I do not know who was walking with me, but felt it was someone I knew. Well, I believe it's Jesus who is walking with us as we walk the straight and narrow uh, path into the death of our flesh nature represented by the cave. Jesus was buried in a cave after his death by the cross, and so must we be. There is a parallel between what happened to Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection and what is happening with the man-child-bride bodies at this point in history. This was not a large cave, she said, but seemed to be 30 to 40 feet long. Well, the number 30 is considered the number of maturity, And the number 40 represents a period of testing or trial. There you go. So you have to go through the testing all the way to the end, the 40, right? But uh, the 30 represents our maturity. The darkness was so dense and overwhelming, the idea of it being a cave never entered my mind before we entered through the glass doors. Everybody says, oh, you're going to come into peace and prosperity. Well, you may come into tribulation. (laughs) And uh, those are the things that cause you to grow to maturity, right? So we must all lose our fleshly life, which is against God, so that our spiritual life would rule. Micah 7, 7 through 9 says this, But as for me... I will look unto the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy, for when I fall, I shall arise. And when I sit in darkness, there it is, the Lord will be a light unto me. There's the companion, right? I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against Him until he plead my cause and execute judgment for me. He will bring me forth to the light, and I shall behold his righteousness. Well, amen to that. Amen to that. So, once inside the doors, as in Claire's dream above, Jesus is the transparent door. We enter the kingdom only through him and his resurrection life. 
So, once inside the doors, I got separated from the person that had been walking with me. And this reminds me of what Jesus cried out on his cross in Matthew 27, 45 through 46. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. So she entered into the darkness through the door, which is Jesus. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani? That is, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So Jesus felt separated, too, during his death and experience. And, um, you know, felt like um, Jesus was separated uh, from her at that point. And that's why we believe it's Jesus. It was very dark, so it was hard to recognize people as they just looked like shadows moving about. Well, when we're going through our death-to-self process, we become hard to recognize because we are shadows of our former selves. So she couldn't recognize people. I didn't want to stand in the past, so I moved up to the highest row of seating available, which was the third row. So she didn't want to plug up the way Um, She wanted to continue moving so as not to be a hindrance to anyone behind her, right? And we know Jesus said that after three days, I will arise again. The three rows could also represent bearing the 30, 60, and 100-fold fruit of Christ. There were planks set into the steep bank of a hill That was very hard dirt. That represents the flesh, you know. The ceiling of this area was barely above the highest seating space. I sat quietly waiting to hear the voice of the person that walked in with me so that I could locate them and sit with them. But I awakened not knowing what had happened to the person that walked in with me. Well, my thought is that he is still there in spirit and um, and with us even in our darkest moments. There were people scattered about sitting on the rows of planks, but the area was far from full. Well, we know the first fruit's harvest is small. Few are taught the crucified life or Jesus' message of death to self. Few are taught that. And they don't know how to accomplish it or where their power comes from to accomplish it, right? Which is through faith in Jesus. I received by faith at random Jeremiah 4 and 6 for this dream, and my finger was on the words, Flee for safety. This chapter is very fitting for those days. Jeremiah 4 and 6 set up a standard towards Zion, which, by the way, is the bride. You're headed towards the bride. 
Flee for safety, stay not, for I will bring evil from the north and a great destruction. So those who are dead to self, like the first fruits bride, are safe from judgment. Righteousness delivereth from death, right? The Lord brought to my attention the parable of the sower in Matthew 13. Thank you, Father, for the seed sown upon good ground, for those who hear the word and understand it, that they may bear much fruit and bring glory and honor to your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes, I agree. Okay, I want to share a little bit here, mostly mostly out of Ephesians. And um, I'm going to start in Ephesians 1 and 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus through the will of God to the saints that are at Ephesus. Saints means sanctified ones. And the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So grace and peace comes from God and the Lord Jesus. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Well, notice that every spiritual blessing, including grace and peace, are available to those who abide in heavenly places which are in Jesus. Even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blemish before Him in love. Love will be all over the people who overcome. Yes. Well, notice that He chose us to be holy and without blemish. And the doing of it is in Him. How do we access this? Primarily by faith, which is uh, believing we have received as Jesus commanded us in Mark 11 and 24. 2 Corinthians 3 and 18, but we all with an unveiled face, in other words, there are many that are veiled. Um, we all with an unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are transformed into the same image from glory to glory, even as from the Lord the Spirit. And of course, secondarily, by manifestation, we are uh, coming into this image. We receive it by faith, but by manifestation, the Lord is empowering us to do it because we believe the gospel. We see Jesus in the mirror. We see that we have his power, his authority. We can confess him before men now. And we know we have his holiness. We know we have his health. We have everything that he is. He is the gift of God to us. 
And First John uh, 1, 4 through 6 says this, And these things we write that our joy may be made full. And this is the message which you have heard from him, and announce unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. So that's what you have in Christ, right? And if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. First John 2 and 24. As for you, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. That's the gospel that you need to study. That's the word you need to study, not man's ideas of this. You need to study it for yourself. Seek out your own salvation with fear and trembling, right? As for you, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If that which you heard from the beginning abide in you, you also shall abide in the Son. So every spiritual blessing is in the Son, and the way you get there is to abide in the Word and let the Word abide in you. And then you will abide in the Son and in the Father. Ephesians 1 and 5 says, Having foreordained us, that's the faithful saints that are addressed in verse 1, right? Having foreordained us unto adoption as sons through Jesus Christ unto himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. So first we are sons by faith, Galatians 3.26 says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And as we walk with Jesus, we manifest Him. Proverbs 29 and 21 says, He that delicately bringeth up his servant from a child shall have him become a son at the last. And that's, of course, in the image of Jesus, the pattern son. Amen. And Romans 8 and 19, For the earnest expectation of the creation waits for the revealing or the manifestation, same word, of the sons of God. God wants His Son manifested in us. We behold Him in a mirror so that that comes to pass. And Romans 8 and 23, And not only so, but ourselves also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for our adoption, to wit, the redemption of our body. So we first manifest sonship in spirit and soul, and when we are first changed, and it's also our spirit that is born again. The soul, which is the mind and the will and the emotions, is born again as we obey that spirit and walk in obedience to truth, as Peter said in 1 Peter 1 and 22. Seeing you have purified your souls in your obedience to the truth. So that's how you get a purified soul, in obeying the truth. Unto an unfeigned love of the brethren, love one another from the heart fervently having been begotten again, or born again, same words, 
in soul this time. You were born again at the beginning in spirit, and now it is in soul, because he says you have purified your souls in your obedience to the truth. And not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. So you have to make sure you put the seed of the kingdom in there, not the seed of man. The seed of man is corruptible. Only the word of God is not. That's why they want today today to throw so many other books in the Bible and say, oh, they left them out. Them Catholics, they left all these books out. No, they want to pollute the Bible. Yeah. So it's not of corruptible seed, it's incorruptible through the word of God, which liveth and abideth. We have a perfect numeric pattern in the 66 books. It's not in any other book that's been discovered. Well, notice the incorruptible seed that births our soul is obedience to the word. This born-again soul is Jesus' mind, will, and emotions. But the born-again body is still to be redeemed, and it will be different according to each person's works. 1 Corinthians 15 and 35 says, But someone will say, How are the dead raised, and with what manner of body do they come? And verse 41 says, There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for one star differeth from another star in glory. So we know what the sun is, right? Okay. And we know what the stars are, right? Yes, the stars are many. The sun is one. The moon is one, but it's dead. So you have to go through death to get to sun glory, right? The stars become united with him in the likeness of his death in order to come into moon and then uh, sun glory. So there's uh, one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for one star differs from another star in glory. Yes, their own self-righteousness is what keeps the stars apart. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption. So we are creating this new body now by our works. Listen, Second Corinthians 5, 1-4. For we know that if the earthly house of our tabernacle be dissolved, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands. You know your physical house has been passed on through uh, man, right? Eternal and in the heavens. For verily in this we groan, longing to be clothed upon with our habitation which is from heaven. So notice, uh, we want to be putting on the clothing of this new man. Clothing is talking about righteous acts of the saints. So we notice here that our new house is our new body. And it's also described as a garment, and they are different one from another. The bride has a lampros or radiant garment, while those invited to the marriage 
have only a leucose or a white garment in Revelation 19. And we are to hate the garment that is spotted by the flesh, meaning fleshly works, in Jude 1 and 23. Okay, back to Ephesians 1 and 3. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. So, without righteous works, only our sinful flesh is seen. That's that being found naked. For indeed, we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed. In other words, they don't want to die in order to get this new body. right? But that we would be clothed upon that what is mortal may be swallowed up of life. So, the, the physical life that you have now needs to be swallowed up by that spiritual life. And verse 10 says, For we must all be made manifest before the judgment seat. And the judgment seat here is literally footprint tribunal. In other words, did you walk as he walked? You're in a trial here. And that's meaning bearing your cross and bearing the fruit of Christ to come into his image. So, we must all be made manifest before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive uh, that new body according to what he hath done, whether it be good or bad. And again, Verse 10, it says, For we must all be made manifest before the footprint tribunal of Christ. The footprint test. Did you walk in his steps? It's not the modern day Christ that they tell you about, which is nobody. Uh, It is the same Jesus yesterday, today, and forever. And this is so that each one may receive, listen, through the body. Everybody's going to receive through this body that they are creating by their works. Okay. Other versions say the things done in the body, but the numeric has through the body. According to what he hath done, whether good or bad. So your body is growing in maturity according to what you do, whether it's good or bad. You can take one step forward and two steps back, as a matter of fact, and lose what you started with. That that happens. Some people are far worse off after they're what they call converted. So we will receive a body according to how much we abide in him in our works. Ephesians 1 and 6. To the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. Well, notice, all grace for everything is given as we abide in Jesus. So how do we receive power from Him to abide in Him? By faith, we see and speak of ourselves as the finished product because Jesus made reconciliation 
uh, which word means an exchange of his life for ours at the cross. In Galatians 2 and 20 says, For I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I that live, but Christ that liveth in me. And that life which I now live in the faith, I live in faith, the faith which is in the Son of God. You have faith in Him, who loved me and gave Himself up for me. And again, Second Corinthians 3 and 18. But we all with an unveiled face. I mean, you're veiled if you're under religious uh, foolishness. We all with an unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are transformed into the same image from glory to glory, even as from the Lord the Spirit. So it is a necessity to abide in Jesus in order to bear his fruit. John 15, 1-8 says, So it is necessary to abide in Jesus to bear his fruit. John 15, 1-8 I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh it away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he cleanseth it, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word which I have spoken unto you. By the way, make sure it's the word of the Lord that's going into your heart, because it will clean you up, right? Abide in me. And I in you. This is done by having the word in you and coming out of you in faith in him, right? As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, so neither can ye except you abide in me. So don't waste a lot of time with religion that doesn't look anything like the book of Acts or the Gospels. Get in the word of God and find a people who also are seeking God in this manner. This is the only way you can abide in Him and bear His fruit. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, put the word in your heart, right? The same beareth much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. In the parable of the sower, the sower sowed the seed in the heart of the believers and brought forth fruit thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold. This is the only way. Get in the Word. Get the Word in you, right? If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Well, this is uh, the three of the four that fall away in that parable of the sower. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will, and it shall be done unto you. Wow, that's powerful. Ask whatever you will. If his word lives in your heart, ask whatever you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. So people who do their own thing and make up their own rules are not abiding in him and do not enter into his grace 
uh, or his kingdom. So how do we abide in him? Well, 1 John 2, 24 says, As for you, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning, which is the true word of God, not polluted by man or Bible college or any other method. If that which you heard from the beginning abide in you, you also shall abide in the Son. Sounds very important to get the word straight out of the Bible, right? So you shall abide in the Son and in the Father if you do this. 1 John 2 and 6 says, He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. So there's that walk uh, of a disciple, a learner and a follower. That's what disciple means, a learner and a follower. And 2 John 1, 9 through 11, Whoso goeth onward and abideth not in the teaching of Christ hath not God. So there's people that start out with you, but they don't necessarily continue with you. If they don't, if they go on and they don't abide in the teaching, they're taking another path. They're on another rope. Okay. So, whosoever goeth onward and abideth not in the teaching of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the teaching, the same hath both the Father and the Son. If any one cometh unto you, and bringeth not this teaching, receive him not into your house, and give him no greeting. For he that giveth him greeting partaketh in his evil works. How plain is this? You need the word in your heart, even if you don't have any religion. <laughs> so, so this Ephesians text continues to speak of what is given to us as we abide in Jesus. And he just described that. So, verse 7, In whom we have our redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. Well, notice, the fullness of our redemption and forgiveness of our sins is ours as we abide in Him through faith in His blood. We get a spiritual transfusion and exchange of our old sinful blood passed on through the bloodline to His righteous blood, right? Ephesians 1 and 8 which he made to abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence. Hmm. As we prudently seek his wisdom, a redemption will manifest in us. Verse 9, Making known unto us the mystery of his will according to the good pleasure which he purposed in him. The mystery of his will? Well, of course we want to be in his will. We can find that in the Scriptures. His purposes will be established in us as we know His will. Verse 10, Unto a dispensation of the fullness of the times to sum up all things in Christ. See, that's what God wants. Everything in Him. All of God's people in Him. The things in the heaven and the things upon the earth. In Him, I say. 
So if we walk by faith when our time is up, we will be completely in Christ. Verse 11. In whom also we were made a heritage, having been foreordained according to the purpose of him who works all things after the counsel of his will. So as we abide in him, we become his heritage as he purposed. To the end that we should be unto the praise of his glory, we who had before hoped in Christ. So as our hope is in him and not the world or worldly religion, he will receive praise and glory. In whom you also having heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation. So we were chosen in him to have ears to hear. And as we abide in him, we will hear and we will speak those things which will bring to pass the, the uh, promises and the blessings of the Lord. In whom, having also believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Okay, you need to do that. Look at those who do not receive the Holy Spirit as commanded and, uh, and demonstrated in the book of Acts. They are blind to truth and power, which the Holy Spirit is to lead us in, right? Which is an earnest of our inheritance. It's a down payment, right? The earnest of our inheritance unto the redemption of God's own possession, unto the praise of His glory. So the Holy Spirit is our down payment to lead us in all that God has for us so that we may bring glory to Him. And for this cause I also, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus which is among you, and the love which you show towards all the saints. Will others hear of our faith and love? I hope so. Uh, verse 16 goes on to say, Cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Well, if Paul can pray this for the saints, to have this most powerful of gifts, we can pray for it too. And we can pray for it for others. And we can trust that God will do that for them. So give this to us, Lord, this spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Verse 18, having the eyes of your heart enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. Now, this is very important. You want to know what you're being invited to partake of. That's what this means, the hope of his calling, invitation. Calling is invitation. So what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saint? What are you going to look like at the other end of this path that you take? Huh? So, Remember that calling here means an invitation. Faith will come to us when we know that we're invited to partake of all that is Christ and all that He has. 
and all that he is, right? Just as we see him in the mirror, right? We want to see the real Jesus in the mirror. That's why we have to read the Word of God and not necessarily let somebody else educate us who went to Bible school and is only passing on what was passed on to them. Uh, That was the error back in Jesus' day. You want to follow the Lamb, whithersoever he goeth. Verse 19, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe? You need to know this. He has power to do it all. According to that working of the strength of his might. It's not your power. It's his power. Okay, when you look in the mirror and you see Jesus, you have his power. Because you're looking in a mirror. He's in you, right? So his power to bring to pass what we believe is exceedingly greater than we know. We must become as a child in trusting our Father. And verse 20 says, Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and made him to sit at his right hand in the heavenly places. So it's his exceeding power raised the bodies of the saints from dust to show themselves to the people when he was resurrected. Hmm. And he still raises the dead today. Praise be to God. So Jesus is, verse 21, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet. So he's the body, but he put everything under the feet. And he gave him to be head over all things to the church. He is the head of the body, right? And he put everything under the feet, which is his body, right? He became head over all things to the church, which is his body. The fullness of him that filleth all in all. So here we see that this dominion over all has been put under the very lowest member of his body, his feet, uh, while he remains the brains of the outfit, right? And this is why we need a revelation of his exceeding great power to us who believe. In Ephesians 2 and 1, And you did he make alive when you were dead through your trespasses and sins. So now that we are alive from the dead and a member of his body, he can do all things through us. Let us not doubt what his word says. These signs will accompany him that believe, them that believe. Verse 2, wherein you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the powers of the air of the spirit that now worketh in the sons of disobedience. There's a large portion of the church that's disobedient to the Word of God. They're doing their own thing. So the sons of disobedience are the ones who are disobedient. They may even make excuses for this, like once saved, always saved, or they are just sinners saved by grace. But they don't want to accept that grace saves from sin. They just want to cover it up. right? And that's because they love it. Verse 3. 
among whom we also once lived in the lusts of our flesh, doing the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But many so-called Christians are still in this corrupt state. And they want to think it's normal. What a shock they will receive when they meet their Maker to find out He isn't God. Yeah. So pray for them to wake up. Verse 4, But God being rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace have you been saved. And 1 Corinthians 15 and 22 says, For as in Adam all died, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. So we were all once in Adam, and when he died, we died. And now that we are in Christ, we can have his life. He is the father of the born-again creation, body soul, and spirit. And we're now dead to sin, but alive with His life, for we are His body, and He lives in His body. And raised us up with Him, and made us to sit with Him in the heavenly places in Christ. You still have to remain in Christ. That's where you bear fruit, right? So our heavenly place is to abide in Him. We are told of a great falling away of the stars of heaven who lose their position to sit next to Him in the heavens as the sun, right? Why? Because they were given everything they needed to overcome and they refused it and followed men instead. And the promises are given to the overcomers only. When we read Revelation, we know that. Revelation 2 and 7, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. To him that overcometh, to him will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Overcoming, you get the tree of life. Some people think you just got it, and now you can go your own way and do your own thing. It's impossible. Verse 11, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. Hmm, that's a bad one. And verse 17. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. To him that overcometh, to him will I give of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone, and upon the stone a new name written, which no one knoweth but he that receiveth it. And verse 26, And he that overcometh, and he that keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give authority over the nations. And 3 and 21, He that overcometh, I will give to him to sit down with me in my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my Father in his throne. In Ephesians 2 and 7, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. 
So all was freely given and should be freely received and freely shared as Jesus taught. Uh, Verse 8. For by grace have you been saved through faith, and that is not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, that's works of man, that no man should glory. And, of course, all of the called have been saved from every curse, as it is said in Galatians 3 and 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. So the curse of sin and of death has been dealt with and is no longer the problem which is unbelief. Some say they have believed, but it is in vain, for their faith is in the traditions of men. 1 Corinthians 15 and 1 says, Now I make known unto you, brethren, the gospel which I preached unto you, and which also you received, and wherein also you stand, and by which also you are saved, if, put a circle around that, If you hold fast the word which I preached unto you, except you believed in vain. You know there are a lot of people who believed in vain? This means believed for nothing. And they got nothing. 2 Corinthians 6 and 1. And working together with him, we entreat also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. Meaning grace was given, but not acted on. Ephesians 2 and 10. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God afore prepared that we should walk in them. So these are not, these are, excuse me, obviously not man's works, but God's work through man who believes him, right? And 11, Wherefore, brethren, that once ye, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision, by that which is called circumcision in the flesh, made by hands. And Romans 2 and 28 through 29 says, For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. He is a Jew who is one inwardly, and the circumcision is that of the heart. So don't get Judaized. It's not going to help you. Going under the law will separate you from Christ, as Paul said. He is a Jew who is one inwardly, and the circumcision is of the heart. The flesh is cut away from the heart. In the Spirit, not in the letter. Everybody wants to drag you back under the letter. Uh, The letter killeth, but the Spirit gives life. Whose praise is not of men, but of God. Ephesians 2 and 12. That you were at that time separate from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers of the covenants of the promise. Having no hope and without God in the world, but now... In Christ Jesus, 
you that once were far off are made nigh in the blood of Christ. And also Romans 9 and 8. That is, it's not the children of the flesh that are children of God, but the children of the promise. Do you believe the promise? Well, then you're a child of God. Do you uh, go back under a covenant that God never made with you? Then you're separated from Christ. Uh, That old covenant was done away in Christ. The Bible says so. So, the children of promise are reckoned for a seed. And verse 26, And it shall be that in the place where it was said unto them, You're not my people. There shall they be called sons of the living God. You remember when we as Gentiles were called not his people? Well, this is where the opportunity to be a son of God is, right? Gentiles and Jews have to come into the kingdom the same way, with one covenant. Verse 27, And Isaiah cried concerning Israel, If the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, it is the remnant that shall be saved. There you go. A remnant of natural Israel will be saved. And Romans eleven twenty five through 26, For I would not, brethren, have you ignorant of this mystery, lest you be wise in your own conceits, that a hardening, in part, hath befallen Israel, until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And so all Israel shall be saved. There's a hardening until all the Gentiles come in. Israel is hardened. You don't want to follow them. You need to follow the Lord God and the new covenant, and, of course, receive good exhortations from the old covenant. It is a parable of the new but don't follow the parable. Follow the real thing, Jesus Christ. Notice that all Israel here is both Jew and Gentile joined in one new covenant. Even as it is written, there shall come out of Zion the Deliverer. He shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. Yes, I know about this. I've had dreams about this. God is going to bring them into the new covenant, which they think they have a covenant, but they don't. So, Ephesians 2 and 14, For He is our peace, who made both one, and break down the middle wall of partition, having abolished in His flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments. What's the enmity? The law of commandments that contained or uh, contained in ordinances that he might create in himself of the two one new man, so making peace. So you got to notice here that uh, there is only one covenant, and it makes us both one. The law brought enmity and division, but grace through faith makes one uh, makes one of all these ethnicities, right? So, he, uh, he abolished in his flesh the law of commandments. Please, pay attention. You don't go back under the letter of those. They're parables. They have to be interpreted and brought into the spirit realm to equal what is written in the New Testament, right? Verse 16. 
and might reconcile them both in one body unto God through the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. The enmity of what? The law of commandments. Verse 20, being built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom each several building fitly framed together groweth into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye are builded together in for a habitation of God in the Spirit. So we all become one. Father, I pray that they may be one as we are one, Jesus prayed. And everybody wants to divide and conquer and bring into the little cults, you know. Ephesians 3 and 14. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, that you may be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inward man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So if Paul can pray uh, for this strengthening of God's Spirit so that Christ would live in us, so we can do the same, and we can do it for others, right? To the end that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be strong to apprehend, not comprehend, apprehend, with all the saints, what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that you may be filled unto all the fullness of God. Look at that. That you may be filled unto all the fullness of God. Now, unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, Unto him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus unto all generations forever and ever. Amen. And four and one. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthily of the calling wherewith you were called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, giving diligence to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And verse 7, But unto each one of us was the grace given according to the measure of the gift of Christ. And verse 11, And he gave some to be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Uh, okay, so the man-child reformers are about to do what Jesus did that is, send forth apostles to raise up the five-fold ministries, because that's where the perfecting of the saints is. Uh, the Nicolaitan error is the pastor being the head of the church, and you're not having this. This is coming. This is coming. Verse 12, For the perfecting of the saints, so he gave the fivefold ministry for the perfecting of the saints unto the work of ministering, unto the building up of the body of Christ, till we all attain unto the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a full-grown man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Again, remember, it's 
His power, not yours. You have faith in Him and His power to do this and to bring it to pass. So Jesus will walk the earth again in His fullness in His body. Who lives in Jesus' body? Well, of course, He does. So that lets you know that a lot of people out there are not in His body or not abiding in His body. Okay. 14 that we may be no longer children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine by the slight of men in craftiness after the wiles of error. And verse 17, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you no longer walk as the Gentiles also walk in the vanity of their mind, and also the non-spirit-filled apostate churches, right? Verse 18, being darkened in their understanding and alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardening of their heart. And verse 22, that you put away as concerning your former manner of life, the old man that waxeth corrupt after the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So, with the mind of Christ, which is the Word, right, is what he's talking about. And verse 24, And put on the new man that after God hath been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. Wherefore, putting away falsehood, speak ye truth one with his neighbor, and for we are members one of another. Be ye angry, and sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. If you're angry and unforgiven and critical and uh, judgmental and slanderous, uh, you have given place to the devil. He's going to take you where you don't want to go. Verse 29, Let no corrupt speech proceed out of your mouth, but such is good for edifying as the need may be, that it may give grace unto them that hear. And grieve not, the Holy Spirit of God, in whom you were sealed unto the day of redemption. Amen. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and railing be put away from you with all malice. Put it away. We know that this leads to faction, especially in these days when God is separating the tares from the wheat. Verse 32. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, even as God also in Christ forgave you. It's only safe to forgive from the heart, or you get turned over to the tormentors, as Jesus said. 5 and 1. Be ye therefore imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love, even as Christ also loved you, and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for an odor of sweet smell. Mm-hmm. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as become a saints nor filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which is are not befitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know of a surety that no fornicator, that's a broad term for different forms of sexual sin, right? No fornicator, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, 
who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Do you hear me? Let no man deceive you with empty words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the sons of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. And verse 11, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather even reprove them. For the things which are done by them in secret, it is a shame even to speak of. Yes, they do their best to hide these things that they do in the dark. Verse 18, And be not drunken with wine wherein is riot, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking one to another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, subjecting yourselves one to another in the fear of Christ. Wives, be in subjection unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church. You better believe it, because God's not going to change his mind for you, Jezebel. (laughs) I'm just telling you. Being himself the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives also be to their husbands in everything. Yeah. And here's a good, make it easy for your wife to fulfill that work. Verse 25, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for it, that he might sanctify it, having cleansed it by the washing of the water with the word. So therefore, you, um, your, your responsibility is make sure your wife gets the word, right? that he might present the church to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. And six and one. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Teach your children to obey or you'll cause them to rise up and be monsters, and they won't obey the Lord either. That it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. You can do that by a lot of legalism. I know people who have had their children commit suicide because they just couldn't please them. They were always beating them up with the law. Yeah. And these people want to be teachers. Ah. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but nurture them in the chastening and admonition of the Lord. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Verse 10. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. He's a great deceiver. He's been doing it a long time. He's very good at it. That's why you need the Word in you to defend you. For our wrestling is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and against the powers and against the world rulers of this darkness, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. 
Wherefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having gird your loins with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. With all, taking up the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. You'll notice that all of this armor is related to the word of God. And with all prayer and supplication, praying at all seasons in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Now, you know what? I went through this pretty fast. I think if you get your Bible and you just kind of follow along uh, and you can stop this whenever you want to, and um, and get some real good out of this. Listen, nobody can preach this better than he could. And uh, there's not much you can add to it or take away from it. There is so much good in this. It is the way. It is the path. The Lord wants to guide us in this holiness and this righteousness and this truth. He wants to grant us that the Word of God lives in our heart which, of course, is Christ living in us. It's more important to put this Word into your heart than it is to go to church because this is pure. This is not filtered through man nor their religions. This is pure. This Word is pure. Meditate on this. Ephesians is awesome uh, as far as bringing people into righteousness and holiness and truth. It is awesome. And like I said, who can preach it better than them? So I pretty well let them do the preaching today, right? Well, Father, in the name of Jesus, we want everything we see here. <laughs> and we want it right now. <laughs> and uh, But Lord, uh, we can't waste any time because we've only been given a short time to... Uh, come into this, to experience this, and to have it living in us. Uh, we have to redeem the time and uh, make good use of it. Now, we know we have responsibilities, good responsibilities, especially if we have families, we have to raise families, and so on. We have responsibilities, and the Lord, that's part of it. That is part of it. And even teaching them this is part of it. So, don't think that you're the only thing you can do is go in a back room and hide out and read the Word. That's part of it, but it's not all of it. And obedience and raising up our children and our wife, and all these are very, very important. So don't let the devil condemn you. Um, we know you have a job to do, okay? But believe you receive everything. God will make a way. It's His power that will bring you into His fullness. He will make a way. So, believe Him. You look in the mirror and you see Jesus. And that means you have all of Him. All of Him is in you because you're looking in a mirror. 
All of Him is in you. All of His gifts, all of His ability, all of His holiness, all of His righteousness. You do the believing. Let God's power bring it to pass. Okay? He can do it. He will do it. Uh, Unto all the fullness of God, as He said, He will do it. And, of course, He will use a lot of people around you to help you down the path. They will help you on your cross. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh, cooperate with them as they help you on your cross. And uh, God will bless you mightily, mightily. He will bring you into the image of Jesus, and you will go forth in His power to do what He did. If uh, you got what those early apostles got, the Holy Spirit, uh, you will do what they did. And if you do what they did, you'll get what they got, you know. And, of course, we're coming into the image of Christ, and our works are creating uh, this new man, this new body. Our works in Christ, not works of the flesh, works of man, but the works of God because of faith. Faith without works is dead, the Bible says. So we act on the Word of God. We don't just hear it and uh, forget what manner of man we are. As Peter said, you know, um, we uh, are hearers and doers of the word. When you hear the word, do it. Act on it. Uh, don't forget it because you, you'll not remember it and you will have read it for nothing. Okay, do it. And like I said, best way to handle this teaching it's, um, uh, is sit down with it and your word and open your word and you can turn it on and off and just, um, you know, Think about it. Think, meditate on it. And understand how important it is to receive the life of Christ. How important it is. That's what we're here for. That is the reason we're here. The rest of the world and even the rest of the worldly church does not believe this. uh, But you have to, to come into the image of Christ. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We ask you to finish the good work you started in us. Father, we see Jesus in the mirror. We do not live anymore. You live in us. We speak to this mountain, and we command it to obey. So we speak to this giant of the old man, and we command him to obey. Come into conformity to the Word of God. Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you that you're going to finish this good work in us. And we're not anxious or troubled or worried. We've entered into the rest You call it the rest because we believe the promises and we rest. We're not worried. We're not troubled. We believe God is able to do what he said, just like Abraham. He believed uh, the promised seed would be born unto them, and he was. Oh, praise God. Thank you so much, Father. And uh, Lord bless you, saints, and um, we'll do this again sometime. Amen. Good night. Can quench my thirsting soul. Purest water made me whole. Let your streams of mercy flow. Oh, Jesus, I trust in you. Though the mountains fall into the sea, though the rivers rise, I still believe. For oh, your mercy stands and your word is true, oh Jesus, I trust.